0: Hello, welcome to Nyambu, a program to make you clicked and connect with me, Dina Prabtorja, and my co-host Nadila Amani. Hello Nadila, how are you?
1: Hello Dina, I am well. Even though the rising cases of the COVID-19 in Indonesia is honestly quite affecting my stress level though. <laughs> but how are you? Luckily I'm
0: well too. Great to see you again. Uh, although we still have to connect online all the time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: let us hope that this pandemic go away soonest, yeah. Yeah. In terms of uh, our episode number, which number are we now, Nadila?
1: Yes, uh, today at twenty uh, fifth uh, June, twenty twenty one, we are going to record our fifth episode. Actually, Budina, it's the fifth episode of Nyambung Podcast, and uh, before we start. Uh of course I hope we are always going to be healthy. I hope our listeners are forever going to be healthy too. <laughs> Amen. Uh let me remind you all to stay at home if you can. Uh obey the health protocols, eat a lot and rest a lot. Okay. <laughs> Good idea. Budina, you rest a lot too, Budina.
0: <laughs> I have to though. Quite impossible.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <sighs>
0: Alright, let us uh, thank you also, uh, our listeners, uh, who have uh, give us support. Uh, send us the like, share, and subscribe uh, to our podcast and YouTube. We very much appreciate your support and look forward to your suggestion of topics or even questions.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point actually, Budina. So, uh, Budina... I heard that today we are going to talk about some exciting stuff, Okay, the United Nations General Assembly. Can you tell us more about uh, our discussion today?
0: Yeah, today let's discuss about the United Nations General Assembly, commonly abbreviated as the UNGA. There has been several developments there that require our attention, I think. I would take this opportunity to draw a picture about what it may mean for people and countries in Asia given what happened uh, in the UNGA. So we are going to take four subtopics for today. The first one is the 75 UNGA resolution dated 14 July 2021. It was a voting on the resolution titled prevention of armed conflict focusing on the situation in Myanmar. This is a resolution that includes a call upon all member states to prevent the flow of arms into Myanmar, to respect the will of people as express, expressed in the results of general election uh, in Myanmar back in November 2020, also to immediately and unconditionally release the detained politicians and civilians, and to swiftly implement the five-point consensus reached at the ASEAN Leaders' Meeting back in Jakarta April 2021. So in that segment, I will discuss the content of the resolution, the standing of the countries, what has been discussed about the resolution, and what I think about it.
2: Okay.
0: The second topic will be the another UNGA resolution this uh, year that calls for the United States to end Cuba embargo. And this is the 29th consecutive year that such resolution is being taken. And uh, interestingly, is the voting outcome, of course. The US didn't budge, doesn't change its position. It wants to continue embargoing Cuba. So, I will discuss the content of the resolution, the standing of the countries, and what I think about it. So, I think it's also useful as a subtopic number three we discuss multilateralism in practice globally. I will share thoughts on what's the expectation on multilateralism and the reality of it so far. Last but not least, uh, given at the beginning we already talked about uh, some issues affecting ASEAN, I think it's also important for us to spare some time and talk about the impact of the practice of multilateralism to regional cooperation such as ASEAN.
1: Okay, okay. Um okay, maybe uh let's just start. Okay? Let's discuss uh, the first item on our discussion list today. Uh, you mentioned about the 75th UNGA resolution, Budina. I'm so contempt uh, to say angga. <laughs> but it's UNGA.
0: Angga, <laughs> <laughs> UNGA. That's
1: how you say it. <laughs> I'm so contempt to say Angga, bu <laughs> Dated in dated back in 14th uh, June 2021, a voting on the resolution titled "Prevention of Armed Conflict" focusing on the situation in Myanmar. Regarding to this, I noticed that once again the Indonesian media take the issue on the situation. Uh, on Myanmar as a center stage on primetime TV news and media coverage. If I could list uh, the, the topics such as the abstain of the four ASEAN countries from the UN resolution on Myanmar, uh, the 230,000 of Myanmar residents becoming refugees uh, due to conflict to the the class between the junta and the anti-junta that killed uh, 800 civilians that happened recently, uh, to uh, the update on the international reaction, reaction on relationship to the junta. Uh, these four topics become uh, becomes headlines on some of the media and being con- uh, continuously updated. This is a sign that Indonesia continues to be committed to airing what is going on. Uh, in and with Myanmar. Indonesia supports the resolution, right, Budina? But since some countries in the region were abstained on the resolution, would the resolution make much impact to the situation on the ground? Okay,
0: Nadila, first let's discuss the content of the resolution. The United Nations has 193 member states. 119 voted in favor of the resolution, but one country, Belarus, voted against it, 36 abstained, which means 37 member states did not vote.
1: Okay, Budina, maybe uh, if I could ask what is abstain, Budina?
0: Abstain in the context of United Nations may mean several things. Um, on the one hand, it may mean that the country simply doesn't want to take position either because of their uh, situation at the domestic levels or because they have other role to play at the uh, regional level or with other uh, forums that they are engaged with. Or the second possibility is that they are not quite... uh, happy with the resolution there are some aspects of the resolution that they wish can be taken out uh, so that they feel that it's much better for them to uh to show a sense of you know at least there's it's not rejection but it's just uh you know incomplete uh not not a complete support of the resolution itself okay, uh, okay. because if you reject Basically, you simply uh, don't think the, re- the resolution is relevant at all. But if mm-hmm. at least some part of the resolution is considered necessary, some country would take the position of being abstained.
1: Okay, okay, okay now I get it. Okay, we did not.
0: So, the uh, resolution this time uh, shows that there is a strong tendency for most member states of the United Nations to reject several things. So the resolution, uh, with the support of 119 countries, strongly reject attacks and violence against civilians by the authority. Second, recognize that the military must end restrictions on the internet and social media and uh, instruct that all member states need to prevent the flow of arms into Myanmar. So this is a breakthrough, in my view, for getting a global common position against the military junta that's been causing layers and layers of problems inside of Myanmar for months. It's entering the fifth month already. So please note that only one country reject, only Belarus. And Belarus is not a neighboring country, nor a country that would determine the follow-up actions on the resolution. So to me, uh, the voting and the conclusion of this uh, resolution give me a sigh of relief. Because last month, uh, the, there was a point where the resolution was pending. It took a month for them to uh, go into this uh, position. Why? Because one member state insists that uh, ASEAN member state should take a vote as a block. So everybody should take common uh, same position which i think it's impossible because they are not in one position and let it be like that so um the unga's uh, resolution gives more reason for tatmadaw to see that the world is growing uh tired yeah of what the tatmadaw has been doing that uh, they are willing to say openly that what Tatmadaw is doing is unacceptable and that the leadership of the world does not hesitate to be hard and tough against the military junta. Uh, with the uh, UNGA resolution, this actually strengthens early an, earlier issuance of condemnations from the UN. If we recall several, uh, several weeks ago, there was condemnation by United Nations Security Council on the death of hundreds of civilians and the rapidly deteriorating situation and the use of violence against peaceful protesters. Of course we know that not all permanent members of United Nations Security Council agree to the condemnation. Uh, Some uh, already uh, mentioned that uh, the resolution or I mean the statement was watered down significantly by China after a very tough two days of negotiation nevertheless this is two un bodies already saying something really strong about Tatmadaw about what should be done to Tatmadaw and uh, what should not be happening again inside of Myanmar Of course one uh, thing to uh, notice is that ASEAN is divided,
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Thailand abstained, Brunei abstained, Laos and Cambodia also abstained for various different reasons. Uh, Thailand for instance is saying to the media that the resolution to fail to take into account the historical context of the conflict. This is the word that they use, yeah. that I just quote.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The,
0: that the resolution, they say, could adversely affect a peaceful settlement and magnify the security challenges for Thailand if the conflict remains prolonged. Uh, Brunei doesn't, uh, doesn't say specifically about why it take the uh, abstain position, but uh, many argues that the position of Brunei as chair of uh, ASEAN
2: mm-hmm.
0: puts him uh, puts the Brunei in difficult position of uh, saying no. It somehow need to uh, provide solution for the conflicts uh, in Myanmar, but at the same time, it realizes that some member states remained uh, adamant about being more. Uh, be more um, decisive, yeah, about, mm-hmm. about the conflict. So uh, my take of it is that these ASEAN member states uh, basically only think about themselves. They, they have difficulty of thinking beyond national interests. They forgot that once they are in ASEAN, they also have to think about collective needs.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, of course, Brunei, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, each has um, some domestic considerations to consider, like uh, for instance, Thailand. Thailand, I know they are very uh, afraid that if they, uh, they suggest that uh, what Myanmar junta is do, uh, doing is unacceptable, it will reflect badly on them because they're also military junta. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, Cambodia is also led by military men. Uh, Laos is uh, an authoritarian regime that basically also always try to uh, prevent uh, any change to the status quo inside of the country. Uh, So the question is why can't you think beyond what's going on in your country. This is, after all, a regional issue that would create a spillover effect to the neighboring country. So at least they, they should think uh, a bit farther than, than just mm-hmm. uh, their, their inside issues, uh, domestic issues. So mm-hmm. another thing that uh, you have to realize, uh, Nadila, is that uh, India, China, uh, Russia and some uh, countries in Middle East, yeah, uh, such as Saudi and United Arab Emirates, mm-hmm. abstained as well. Yeah. Uh, I think the my take on this is that uh, the neighboring countries mm-hmm. of uh, Myanmar is uh, obviously. Cares very little about what's going on inside of Myanmar they would rather uh, prevent any refugees coming to their countries
2: mm-hmm.
0: but at the same time they too don't want to uh, they don't want to take uh, the chance to to become more uh, uh, what do you call it resourceful to the conflict that's been going on in the in the neighbors uh, arena so what I'm most concerned about is that they that means that uh killings, displacements, violence, uh is not seen as something urgent in their eyes. It's just another daily occurrence, you know?
1: mm mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is so interesting for me too, Budina, because what I know is Russia and China is also kind of like uh trying to talk with the junta too, right? Recently. True,
0: so the well, if if you look at the pattern, countries mm-hmm. uh, there are uh, either authoritarian or illiberal in uh, mm-hmm. democracy tend to mm-hmm. be ignorant about yeah. conflicts and killings and displacements and violence. This is mm-hmm. an alarming uh, sign for the rest of the world. For those who have been fighting for dignity of human beings and, and human rights. This is a serious, serious setbacks. So I, for, for, uh, for one reason, believe that at least with the UNGA being uh, quite open about what to condemn, is already a good progress. Um, this is at least uh, showing, showing to the world that the majority of countries of the world Still have a sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. Still have uh, you know respect to human dignity. Uh, especially if I compare with the November 2019 uh, resolution yeah, that the UNGA also issued on the situation in Myanmar. Back mm-hmm. at that time, back at the time, the issue was about uh, human rights violations against the Rohingya uh, Muslims and the minorities. Uh, what we can notice at that time, 140 countries was in favor uh, to uh, condemning uh, the, the, the action to express grave concern basically that's what the, the language they use yeah, at continuing reports of serious human rights violations uh, and violations of international humanitarian law against the Rohingya and other uh, minorities. Uh, so 140 countries was in favor uh, much more than the number of countries um, saying, uh, saying uh, agreement to the uh, to the uh, blockage of, uh, to the embargo of uh, weapons and also to stopping uh, violence ongoing in Myanmar today. But mm-hmm. at that time, the country who were against were more countries. There were nine countries. Belarus, okay. Cambodia, China, Laos, Myanmar, Philippines, Russia, Vietnam, and Zimbabwe. So if we look back, uh, the position of the countries that reject it includes one, two, three, four uh, member states of ASEAN, oh five, five member states of ASEAN. Cambodia, China, uh, sorry, Cambodia, Laos, Myanmar, Philippines, and Vietnam whereas uh, in what just happened this month Myanmar agree to the embargo so the representative uh, the ambassador of Myanmar in the UN which is not from the military decided that that's a good position to go so that's a green light you know from from the country relevant country there's no reason why why countries that why other countries that uh, is not directly involved would say no to su- supporting Myanmar, right? That's the logic. Uh, and then if you notice uh, the other uh, countries in ASEAN who, uh, who was against, now they are just abstain. So at least it's a, it's a more um, encouraging sign yeah, that um, something can change at the international level and that's through the UNGA um, yeah I think many many dynamics yeah we can we can uh, we can discuss about the UNGA but uh, uh, in my view what just happened uh, at the UN uh, supposedly should boost the confidence of ASEAN boost the confidence of the NUG the national unity government inside of Myanmar. Of course, some hard works are still needed by countries uh, supporting the resolution, including Indonesia. uh, Mm -hmm. That is to convince, to push for the abstain country, to change position. But uh, again, to abstain doesn't mean to reject. So some things can still be uh, discussed, negotiated. So that's a good uh, a good progress, uh, and we just had need to prioritize what issue to negotiate. And I think one of the critical thing to do is to make sure that the neighboring countries of Myanmar, those sharing borders, uh, would agree to uh, provide uh, humanitarian assistance to mm-hmm. make sure that they don't just block their uh, borders and please, please stop uh, the flow of uh, deadly weapons to enter Myanmar. Mm -hmm. Uh, Do you know which country has been supplying weapons to Myanmar, Nadila?
1: Which countries, Budina? (laughs) Please spill the tea.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Actually, many, many countries uh,
1: uh,
0: supply weapons to uh, Myanmar. But of course, Mm -hmm. they are the The big, big uh, suppliers. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. that includes China, India, and Russia, and the United States. Okay, Uh, other uh, sources include South Korea, uh, Philippines. They say as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe that's from USA after all. Philippines Mm -hmm. and then Israel, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Um, So there are some countries also supplying. But so talking about. Uh, Weapon supply, if you Mm -hmm. look back at the resolution at least the countries who used to uh, supply weapons such as Korea, Ukraine, Philippines, Israel, and USA Mm -hmm. are already agreeing to stop supplying weapons. Mm -hmm. Uh, Therefore our the homework remains to convince China, India, and Russia to not uh, supply weapons and Again, their position is just abstaining, so uh, okay. there are still rooms to uh, to negotiate. Yeah.
1: Um, it's no not uh, now. It's no wonder uh, we know that India, China, and Russia abstain. <laughs> <laughs> it's all crystal clear now. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You always okay. have um, a special direct interest to something uh so big uh before you block something right yeah (laughs) anyway um maybe one uh last point about the resolution is um you know the the statement about making sure that uh everybody all parties (laughs) involved
2: Mm -hmm.
0: make sure that the uh, five point consensus made in jakarta by the ASEAN leaders meeting can be implemented. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of course, everybody assume that Mm -hmm. Brunei Darussalam as the chair Mm -hmm. has very critical role to make sure that Mm -hmm. progress can be made. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And everybody can go, you know, sad that Brunei Darussalam is abstaining to the voting. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Uh, And I think worse even Cambodia, which is the next chair for next year, Mm -hmm also uh, abstain, but mm-hmm. I think if, if people recall of what I say last week, mm-hmm. ASEAN should change their mindset. What happened in Myanmar is not ordinary daily business. This is not something that can be solved through the regular ASEAN uh, way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I mean by a regular ASEAN way is just negotiating among each member states, listening to each member states position, and then uh, making sure that everybody, the 10 member states, would agree to certain yeah. position. This is not gonna, uh, gonna be that way. It's, mm-hmm. it's a different kind of context, different kind of reality. And don't forget, Myanmar agree for uh, something uh, fundamental to change inside of their country. That means that's a green light already for Mm -hmm. uh, the rest of ASEAN member states, even if Brunei and Cambodia choose to be quite passive, to push for change. So the locomotive of change should be the countries who support the resolution. They need to Mm -hmm. uh, propose some uh, extraordinary meetings, you know, special meetings Mm -hmm. inside of ASEAN trying to Uh, consolidate the uh, support and make sure that uh, the Tatmadaw is not going to ignore this resolution and this I think next time maybe we can also discuss about this further the latest progress in I mean the latest development in Myanmar is quite concerning because Tatmadaw is um, revenging uh, doing revenge again to the civilians following Mm -hmm. this and they start Mm. raiding uh you know attacking uh mosques and uh Mm -hmm. you know worship places so this this is really getting out of control and getting um very very ugly um Mm -hmm. so if (coughs) if the rest of ASEAN member states who uh, was in favor of the resolution doesn't do anything Mm. i don't know what can what can be done they they again they should be brave and just you know, Brunei you have to do this. Tatmadao you ha- just have to stop. You know, that's that's uh you know, we require extraordinary measure at this uh, very critical time in our history.
1: Okay, uh yeah um I agree with you, Budina. The situation is getting out of hand and it's quite frustrating actually. So we hope this will be our uh, the light uh, indicating the end of the tunnel, right, Budina. Okay yeah. maybe on to the next topic of the UNGA resolution that they are also talking about the issue for the United States to end the Cuba embargo for the 29th consecutive year with votings, the world from year to year have shown strong critique and demand to the U.S. to end the embargo to Cuba but still the U.S. doesn't budge uh, as you said earlier Maybe uh, if I could talk a little bit about the background on Cuba so that we could know where the country stands and its relationship to Indonesia. Uh, Cuba is a country that house uh, 11.3 million of people that is located in the Northern uh, Caribbean Sea, south of the United States. Cuba, to many Indonesians, might heavily related to Fidel Castro. It's now deceased uh, revol- uh, revolutionary leader. Uh, We are so uh, familiar with that name. Okay, Uh, Cuba and Indonesia has established uh, diplomatic relations in 1960 under the presidency of Sukarno, Indonesia's uh, first president. Indonesia-Cuba relation is exceptionally close for their common position against polarism during the Cold War and against imperialism. And also, I remember that one of your colleagues in Indonesian Ministry of Foreign Affairs, who also teach with you, is now an ambassador in Cuba, right, Budina? Yes. <laughs> the first lady, the first lady, who is appointed as ambassador plenipotentiary and extraordinary ever post in the country, is that true, Budina?
0: Yes, Nadila. True. Uh, a very. Uh gentle and kind-hearted lady is now uh, <laughs> becoming the first uh, lady ambassador to Cuba. Uh, yes, it's uh, Cuba is a fascinating country to learn from. It's, uh, it has uh, one of the quite resilient country of the world.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Interestingly, Cuba continuously being seen as a threat by the United States. Mm-hmm. It has been contained, it has been embargoed, exiled, but yet survive. (laughs) Uh, There was a great hope on Cuba-U.S. relations. I recall when Obama uh, was president of the United States he normalizes the relationship between the two countries, even visited Cuba uh, in 2016. So the first uh, action at that time from the United States was that in May 2015 Cuba was taken off the U.S. list of terrorist country. Mm. The Congress <coughs> didn't block the intent because that's the mandate of the Congress actually to take that off. Um, mm-hmm. And then some import-export activities uh, emerge uh, back again between U.S. and Cuba. Movie makers visit Cuba. Uh, mm-hmm. Concerts, trainings, uh, even sports. Yeah, uh, trainings mm-hmm. such as the Major League Baseball flights, ferries are open. So there was quite lively reconnection between the two countries. But then, this is the, what's been perplexing for me. Two days ago, U.S. President Joe Biden, one uh, president who has been hailing multilateralism and peace mm-hmm. during his uh, presidential campaign, ended up continuing the Washington's tradition of voting against the UNGA Resolution. Uh, So this UNGA Resolution that we're talking Mm. about this time is calling for an end to a U.S. economic embargo on Cuba. Uh, And what Joe Biden did was taking the same position with Trump, who Mm -hmm. decided to roll back all the Mm. normalization of relationship that Obama has introduced. What is going on, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And most importantly, this is the 29th time uh, that mm-hmm. this happened. And interestingly as well, 184 countries of the 193 members of the UN voted mm-hmm. in favor. Yeah. Only three countries abstained and two votes of rejection. And the voting uh, of rejection came from the US and Israel.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, the U.S. Uh, you know try to deny and, and, and you know uh, justifying mm-hmm. the action by saying mm-hmm. that it's the Congress who can lift mm-hmm. the embargo. So, okay. to me, this is uh, this is uh, one important thing to for us to look at. Um, you would think that uh, with the return of the U.S. To the promise of multilateralism, we will see something else going on. But we did not.
1: Mm, okay. Uh, I'm curious, though, know What do you think the U.S. is getting from uh, the from the embargo to Cuba? Well,
0: I'm just an ordinary person, yeah. Well, mm-hmm. if if I look at the relationship between Cuba and the United States, I think. Uh, it's 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 been very complex, not uh, many international relations experts even can quite explain the nature of the relationship between the two countries, uh, mm-hmm. some of it uh, based on uh, personalistic uh, leadership that linger from the Cold War period, some others is also about um, the u s simply trying to show. Um, show pressure against countries that they think may continue to be uh, in disagreement with them uh, on Mm principle levels on on on, uh, certain issues so i think it's important for us now to uh, discuss about multilateralism because i think that's Mm -hmm. the heart of where things are but to me uh, before we end this conversation about Cuba, cuba cuba is um is a very Cuba in and all itself has a very vibrant uh, life. It also mm-hmm. has, uh, you know, uh, customs, traditions. Uh, it it has it has people who mm-hmm. who basically uh, have to work uh, with each other based on solidarity to survive all the pressures and embargo that they have been undergoing for for years, for decades. Uh, and uh, based on the information I gathered, the situation inside of Cuba uh, is not quite uh, quite enabling for many people. Not for mm-hmm. farmers, not for uh, people who work in the uh, service sector or in the uh, you know, especially manufacturing sector, it's not quite helpful. All of this uh, economic embargo uh, being continued. Uh, do you know that 70 to 80 percent of uh, food products uh, in Cuba has to be imported? So it's it's very difficult if you live in Cuba, uh, as my my friend told me. Uh, you know, the ambassador told me. You know, they have to import. Uh, chicken. They don't have many kinds of uh, vegetables. So unless you grow yourself, uh, there are very limited options of uh, food, food uh, products. So this, this, this is also something that uh, the world barely considers yeah? when, when, uh, when they negotiate and and take positions in multilateralism. So this is uh, important for us now to uh, try to look closer into multilateralism inside of the united nations
1: yeah okay budina you mentioned a lot about multilateralism actually in the 75th unga resolution regarding to the united states to end Cuba embargo. As an ordinary person myself, this might sounds a little complex, Wadina. <laughs> because now I think about the U.S., I think about the Cuba, and now I need to understand about multilateralism. Uh, could you help me first understand what is multilateralism, Wadina, before you go on sharing your thoughts about it?
0: Sure, sure, Nadila. So the very simple definition of multilateralism is more than two countries coming together, being open about their standing in international politics. So a gathering of two countries being open about each other's standing in international politics is uh, multilateralism. Usually they uh, use certain platform, uh, forum, or uh, dialogue uh, meetings or something, uh, or even organization to share, to discuss, and to look for common position on matters of concern. Multilateralism as a norm is adopted and recognized after the Second World War. The United Nations as an institution embody the norm of multilateralism. In the United Nations Charter, multilateralism is mentioned as determination uh, to save future generations from war, to reaffirm faith in fundamental human rights, to uh, protect dignity of human, to provide equal rights of people, men and women, nations large and small, everybody should enjoy social justice, peace and uh, social progress should be uh, able to be enjoyed uh, by every country around the world. So the principle of multilateralism is basically that. and it's a norm that is enhanced, within the United Nations basically. So if you look uh, deeper into multilateralism, you would realize that multilateralism requires several things to work well. Number one, there should be conformity of member states, uh, everybody's working through the multilateralism uh, forum to the principles and justice as, as agreed by everyone. So you have to conform. Number two, you have to behave in friendly, friendly manner, based on respect, equity, and peace. You cannot sustain multilateralism with aggression, uh, and with uh, you know a behavior that's based on violence. The third requirement is the intent of um, parties to develop cooperation to solve problems, instead of showing uh, you know, the intent to conflict or to revenge. You have to sit back and cooperate. The fourth is the uh, recognition of equal sovereignty of all members. So everybody else uh, on the table has the same right as you to enjoy all the things we have mentioned earlier, dignity, social justice, peace, and everything else. Uh, five, uh, the fifth uh, aspect of multilateralism assumes that everybody else who are not member also would act in accordance with the principles. Mm-hmm. So any multilateralism would uh, organize themselves in a way that allow them to uh, negotiate, to inspire, the non-member states to adopt the spirit of multilateralism. And of course that would also mean all member states doing multilateralism work would reciprocate in action. They would uh, share mutual behavior of cooperation, of friendly relations, of respect, of uh, looking at each other as equal uh, partner. So. That's multilateralism as a norm and as a, as an institution. Are you now good on the basics of multilateralism, Nadila?
1: Okay, maybe now understand a little bit more, Budina. So, uh, maybe uh, I understand it as multi-la- multilateralism is when more than two countries form a gang from an ally <laughs> that share the same ideology on their international politics, right, Budina?
0: They have to uh, form a good deeds of alliance, yeah. Uh, who shared uh, some desire to uh, to 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 achieve something together, and it should be shared.
1: Okay, 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 okay. Okay, budina. You know, now I understand.
0: Okay. <laughs> now, if you are good on that, we can move on to the <laughs> multilateralism in practice. Okay. Of course, any norms and institutions once practiced may be more complex than imagined. Some unintended uh, consequences may also be found. For instance, if you find a violation, if there's one uh, member states or uh, the party to the multilateralism who choose to violate the principles of the common goods, even if they are being very quiet about it, and worse, of course, if they are open and belligerent uh, to the principles of the common goods. What do members do? How do they react? And what can the institution do? There's a terminology that people use. What's the point if the the dog doesn't bark? (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
0: So that's really critical that if something bad is going on, what can the groups of country agreeing to multilateralism do that's my mm-hmm. first point. point second of okay. all people will watch if the violator is a major country would you do something about it can everybody else do something about it or, or would yeah. they just let it go like you know it's not a big thing you know it you know it will solve itself so mm-hmm. one thing that uh everybody uh, is realizing is that the logic of most countries nowadays is to be internationalist which means that everybody uh, is interested to grab all opportunities at the international level and they would do anything necessary uh, to make sure that they succeed in grabbing the opportunities Um, so The consequence of that may be, because it's the other side of the coin, is that once you see other people trying to take something away from you, you would uh, like to uh, go against it and try to balance your positions against those who may uh, be perceived as disagreeing with you. So this is what uh, people in the realist uh, perspective, uh, mm-hmm. see things. So they 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 may sit together in multilateralism forum, but their mindset may uh, differ from the mm-hmm. principles of multilateralism itself. So okay. I would show you several several uh, conditions, yeah, circum- mm-hmm. several circumstances that would enhance this realist uh, perspective.
1: Okay.
0: Well, first is when uh, multilateralism has to uh, respond to global security issues, such as security dilemma. This is one serious uh, block usually. Uh, security dilemma is a t- situation where uh, the action of one country is considered a threat to you. And so you would uh, enhance yourself, either arm yourself or uh, take a strong position against the country to show that uh, you are threatened by them. And mm-hmm. usually the reply would also be uh, a perception of threat from the other party to you. So okay. uh, it will end up with a very enhanced sense of uh, stronger uh, threats. So this is what is usually not expected in international relations. Now, multilateralism usually cannot quite capture um, this kind of behavior. It can just Mm -hmm. happen between countries and um, any kinds of rules usually may not constrain activities that Mm-hmm. Uh, raise worries that raise fears, and uh, some countries do have very um, paranoid perspective about
2: mm-hmm. uh,
0: other countries.
2: Yeah.
0: So that's number one. Uh, yeah. Situation. The second situation is when multilateralism agreement bring different implications for different countries.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, either this is only at the perception level,
2: mm-hmm.
0: or given different contexts, they may have different consequences for countries, uh, or because the process of implementation itself will be different mm-hmm. in different countries. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. for instance, for instance, the issue of uh, human rights and terrorism, let me give you an example of that. Um, internationally, of course, we, we would say human rights is universal to all, yeah. uh, to all nations. It should be something that everybody respect, Mm -hmm. But um, in different contexts, where the awareness on human rights uh, is uneven and that the uh, enforcement of respect to human rights is also uneven, one cannot quite uh, pinpoint to uh, the country that is supposed to be the duty bearer of the human rights. Mm-hmm. As uh, being ignorant about the, the human rights. Mm-hmm. Some would argue that we are not ignorant, we're just, you know, we cannot simply blame the people and, 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 and force sanctions because it's also violating uh, the process of them understanding better about human rights.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's one example. Same thing with terrorism, you know. On the one hand, combating terrorism is a universal value but
2: mm-hmm.
0: terrorism also comes from uh, different groups some of them are mm-hmm. vulnerable people so
2: mm-hmm.
0: whether um, certain action at the multilateral mm-hmm. level can have negative impacts as well to the people on the ground that's certain country uh, affected mm-hmm. would have uh, things to say it, it cannot be a uh, made uniform across the globe. Mm -hmm. So that's the second condition, the limits of multilateralism. Mm -hmm. The third limit of multilateralism is the condition where multilateralism agreement can be watered down. Uh, To get agreement at the UNGA, for instance, at the United Nations General Assembly, uh, some countries do water down or make the wording much more ambiguous so that everybody can agree
2: mm-hmm.
0: which at the implementation level it can be problematic
2: mm-hmm.
0: what we see in Myanmar is one example mm-hmm. you see that the UNGA decided that part of the solution should be taken by or should be done by ASEAN mm-hmm. and you know at the implementation level this can be challenging because not all member states agree to swift action on Myanmar.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's the limit of multilateralism. <laughs> mm-hmm. The fourth limit is that multilateralism doesn't eliminate bilateralism or
2: mm-hmm.
0: it, doesn't, um, it doesn't exclude or uh, reject countries from uh, doing you know relations on two-country basis bilateralism. Mm-hmm. Okay. So everybody expect that bilateralism and multilateralism would be complementary. They should support each other, it will uh, strengthen multilateralism. But in practice, it may be far from the expectation. Mm -hmm. Some countries in uh, the region, in ASEAN, um, has been enhancing more and more their bilateral relations with certain country um, to get more benefits from multilateral agreements that is, mm-hmm. uh, that is achieved. So rather than uh, providing uh, yeah, relatively equal share of benefits from multilateralism agreements, they would rather to get more and they are willing to nurture this chance by strengthening their bilateral relations with the country mm-hmm. that they think can provide more benefits. So these are the four limits, uh, if you say, you can say, about a multilateralism.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: In uh, UNGA, uh, Nadila, you also have to realize this is the only body in the uh, international level where everybody sits equally. Okay. One country, one vote. Mm-hmm. Regardless of how many population you have or how rich you are,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you uh, you can only have one vote. Mm-hmm. And the mandate of the UNGA is basically, uh, I call DDR, discuss, Mm -hmm. debate, recommend.
1: It's not the DDR that is from time zone, right? (laughs) The indoor playground, the one that you dance on, the DDR. It's not that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they they take from that uh, situation, (laughs) I don't know. But uh, yeah, uh, so it's... For, to make you easy to remember, UNGA has uh, the three mandates, discuss, debate, and recommend. Okay. Uh, they can recommend things to be taken to the other uh, bodies of the UN. And mm-hmm. of course, if you want to take swift actions against something, usually you send a recommendation to the United Nations Security Council.
2: Okay.
0: So uh, UNGA Uh, And whatever being decided inside of UNGA is, uh, you know, not quite having legally binding power. Uh, If uh, every year that we watch on TV, basically, usually uh, debates of world leader in the UNGA Mm -hmm. forum, because every member state is given the chance to speak. And and the the leader of the country would read the statements. Although some countries uh, in the past, uh, the leader actually uh, don't read from notes. They just keep talking and they can talk for hours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they just want to put what they have in mind. Yeah,
0: <laughs> Indeed, it, it can sometimes be a, a show of uh, power uh, of mm-hmm. some countries. Yeah, yeah. Well, the challenge, however, is to make the words substantive, right? Mm. You can say anything during the debate, but the point is whether you can uh, deliver recommendations that would be followed up with concrete actions. And uh, on top of it, uh, Nadila, UNGL also has administrative uh, mandate. Um, They have to be the agency, the the body that uh, manages uh, UN appointments. And also make budget approvals so activities of the UN uh, including of the Secretariat needs to be approved by the UNGA so it's a very busy but also very fat big uh, body of of the UN Mm
2: -hmm.
0: the products of UNGA is uh, or include declarations uh, calls and General debate, yeah, the the one mm. I mentioned every every year. That's uh, mm. once a year general debate, and then uh, they also must schedule their time to elect uh, non permanent members of the Security Council and uh, members of the Human Rights Council, uh, as recommended by uh, UNSC. They also have to appoint Secretary General. So it's a very busy busy uh, body of the UN. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe another fact that some uh, some of you uh, is yet to realize in the UN every member states pay annual dues Mm -hmm. and uh, not everybody pay equally though even though uh, every uh, country member has only one vote in UNGA Mm -hmm. those who has higher GDP has to pay more than others. And some others can negotiate so they can pay lower than they're supposed to.
1: Is that good or not, Budina? Because it's actually embodied uh, equity, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> can you guess which country pay the most to the UN?
1: Which Burina? Which one?
0: The United States.
1: Ah, oh, that's true. Cool then. Well,
0: but that's one reason too why they uh, under uh, Donald Trump uh, presidency they feel that they are being disadvantaged uh, oh. because of that. They have to pay too much on something yeah. that may not benefit them. They say.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> they need to pay a lot more to become attacked.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this is this is one reason why. They t- try to evaluate, uh, they call it evaluate okay, okay. The multilateralism. So, okay, okay, okay. and uh, which which is a good uh, time for us now to talk about evaluation of multilateralism, right? Uh-huh. Um, many have critiques. Actually, many have said mm. that uh, multilateralism inside of the UN has limits. Yeah. Mm-mm. Even the 2005 report from uh, Secretary General Kofi Annan at that time uh, mentioned that UNGA focuses a lot on trying to get Mm -hmm. consensus. Mm -hmm. The consequence of trying to get consensus is that you water down statements to Mm -hmm. get people to agree to it, to get the Mm -hmm. lowest common denominator. Mm -hmm. The challenge if you do so is that you would become less and less relevant Mm. to many problems that's growing uh, in the world. Mm. So at that time, the suggestion was to uh, include uh, hearings from experts inside of the UN.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And uh, actually, if you look uh, to the history, uh, the UNGA has tried on time to time to remain relevant because this is the mm-hmm. only forum in the world where leaders of the world can take position on something.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And it was not impossible, actually. So it, it's, 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 uh, it's a choice of every generation sitting uh, in the UNGA, I, I, I must say. Uh, if you look back in 1960s, um, the UNGA did suspend a South African delegation Uh, inside of the UNGA why because they did uh, they practice apartheid which they say is in violation of uh, Security Council resolutions and international law and Mm -hmm. they were only uh, allowed to come back to the UNGA uh, once a democratic transition was restored in 1994 Mm -hmm. and then in 1992 when uh, Yugoslav uh, uh, you know, broken into pieces, mm-hmm. Serbia and Montenegro were denied mm-hmm. automatic mm-hmm. inheritance of Yugoslav uh, seat in the UNGA. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, if if I look uh, closer to the UNGA, there are still reasons for us to be optimistic that something needs to be done. It uh, something can be done. I, mean, I, sh- I should repeat in saying because, mm-hmm. in uh, from time to time. If um, negotiators and diplomats are being very firm on pushing something through the UNGA, uh, you know, good things can, can happen through it. Um, the latest uh, position of the UNGA on uh, Rohingya, I, I should uh, commend as well, as, as a good progress. Because uh, at least it comes to a position of condemning human rights abuses. Uh, you know a very good angle of of the issue human rights abuses so um. that's uh why I think multilateralism cannot be underestimated uh, mm. and excluded as one of the mechanism to uh, to find solutions yeah, on mm-hmm. um, many regional issues uh, and national issues that we face uh, lately
1: okay budina i'm curious though budina, you said that uh, the assembly suspended the south african delegation because South africa is uh, violating uh, resolutions and international law because they practicing apartheid does that mean multilateralism multilater- is not putting these countries that are not following the rules with sanction
0: they cannot the one who can impose uh, sanctions mm-hmm. in in a very concrete sense, you know, like um, like embargo as a sanction, mm-hmm. but uh, in the real sense of actually putting uh, people on the ground to make sure that the all the flights and the uh, you know sending of uh, or, or the transporting of uh, weapons and arms are not happening, that's not the UNGA to do. That's Security Council. Uh, yeah. Duty. So the mandate of Security Council uh, is to uh, follow up on what is being recommended by the United Nations uh, General Assembly, so that it can be made more uh, implementable. Yeah. <laughs> so it's at the UNGA level. It's more about norms of the oh. identifying the positions of all member states on certain matter that mm-hmm. is written in the resolution of UNGA.
1: Okay, okay. No, and I understand it now. So, uh UNGA resolution may not be binding to the countries but we should not undermine what the resolution can bring to solve the problems, right, Vedina? Yes. Uh it's a place uh, it's like a place for conducting discussion and uh discussion on what the solution, right, Vedina?
0: Yeah. So, Multilateralism is still uh, highly needed in today's Mm -hmm. uh, world. The uh, proliferation of uh, problems uh, emanating in different parts of the world requires common solution. You cannot expect every uh, nationals to solve their own problems because with the uh, more internationalized uh, cooperation more internationalized uh, travels, more internationalist interactions, economic, politics, social culture, um, even illegal activities, Um, we cannot expect uh, each country of the world to solve problems on their own. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to share resources, sometimes we have to share strategy, sometimes we have to pay uh, you know, invest uh, mm-hmm. together so that the impact mm-hmm. of the action is more powerful, so multilateralism is really something that uh, that is needed but of course the what i 've been talking about is that the future may be uncertain why because some countries uh, decided to continuously trying to block decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, made at the multilateralism level. Even Mm -hmm. countries like the U.S. have decided Mm -hmm. to pull out monies from uh, multilateralism because they don't get what they want. Mm -hmm. So countries uh, who realize that multilateralism is uh, very much needed, uh, needs to work extra to ensure that multilateralism doesn't collapse. So Mm -hmm. in the next uh, podcast, We will discuss how the position of major countries, such as the U.S., Russia, and China, may affect conflicts and circumstances growing across the regions.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm looking for that uh, within uh, the discussion. Uh, Now that I have learned a little more about multilateralism, maybe should we discuss about regional cooperation in the context of multilateralism, Medina, ASEAN in particular? Because, uh, of course, we lived in the region and other than that, I I knew that you uh, worked inside of ASEAN for a number of years and have been paying attention uh, to ASEAN for a long time i'm curious budina what is the multilateralism look like inside of the asean
0: okay quick answer to that is that asean is not immune to shocks and compromises that the global community is also experiencing in its multilateralism so when mm. global is uh, when multilateralism at the global level is being undermined uh, or julia morse and robert O'Han back in 2014 call it contested multilateralism Uh, which is a situation where member states uh, try to pursue their own strategies to challenge the rule, practices, missions, Uh, even the institution is being challenged so that they can get what they want. Um, The situation uh, of uh, multilateralism itself can be compromised. So I would like to highlight uh, how ASEAN is different uh, in terms of multilateralism, yeah. Uh, inside of uh, ASEAN, basically uh, countries are, you know, coming together. First and foremost is to make sure that the region, Southeast Asia, is stable. And they realize, as uh, member states of ASEAN, that mm-hmm. their highest vulnerability is when uh, some member states are. Uh, persuaded are uh, made to be against each other and to to experience uh, penetration of influence that uh, to the degree that's um, too much that's leading to what they call often use the term uh, intervention showing intervention Mm -hmm. of uh, the regional matters Mm -hmm. so ASEAN member states by nature has been very sensitive and quite uh, suspicious to any, uh, any signals of a potential intervention by foreign countries to countries in the region. That's, that's the context of ASEAN. So in the uh, current context of um, global engagements, uh, ASEAN member states realize that uh, different countries may get different rewards for what they do at the international level, especially to particular countries that are very eager to enlarge their power at the international levels. Uh, To me, this is natural. This is just, you know, common thing that uh, once you see opportunity, then you try to invest more in the relationship with that particular country that profits you. But the consequence of that is that you often uh, forget to look at the bigger picture, that you don't live alone in the, in the region, that the uh, neighbors uh, sitting next to you and uh, not far from you, Uh, Mm -hmm. are also uh, getting the impacts of whatever it is that you are trying to to get from the external uh, powers
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and this is what uh, what's been you know what's been uh, what's been quite difficult inside of ASEAN Mm -hmm. if I would say ASEAN uh, ASEAN after the ASEAN charter Mm -hmm. is more and more uh, becoming a Sectoral, sectoral in, in mindset they, they include lots and lots of ministries to make sure that the ASEAN vision uh, is being implemented for member states but the consequence of that is because there are so many agencies being involved decision making can be really really slow even slower than how it used to be when ASEAN was still lean, nowadays ASEAN becomes big and fat and um, every sectoral bodies require different uh, approach and different pace of making decisions. And of course, um, that would imply lots and lots of meetings. Mm -hmm. Uh, With lots of meetings, that means more money needs to be Mm -hmm. uh, spent to finance the activities. But if the money is available, let's say everybody can provide all this uh, necessary financial requirements to to come into a deal. The challenge is the timing. Can you make timely decisions uh, given the circumstances that you have to consult so many bodies before you then uh, channel the inputs or recommendations to the uh, the one who, who can make the highest decision uh, in ASEAN is the, the, uh, the leadership of ASEAN, the head of government or head of states uh, with the recommendations from the uh, foreign ministers of ASEAN. Um, that, that takes a long time and there may be bottlenecks too. You mm-hmm. know, uh, There may be different interpretations once a recommendation come in the hands of uh, foreign ministers. Uh, The foreign ministers may have different suggestions as well to the heads of states, heads of governments, on what to do. And if the foreign ministers cannot uh, come into a common uh, position, they cannot have consensus on the issue, or they don't realize that it doesn't need consensus, they can just take an ASEAN minus decision, Mm -hmm. then uh, a swift decision will not uh, be taken at all in ASEAN. Mm -hmm. So, mm-hmm. what I'm saying is that multilateralism inside of ASEAN
2: mm-hmm.
0: tend to be insensitive to time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, why? Because it depends a lot on the interpretation of different sectors. Mm-hmm. It requires time to get into the uh, hands of the uh, foreign ministers, and then again to the heads of states uh, level. So. Uh, it may start as a bottom up uh, institution bed bottom up procedure yeah where the sectoral bodies is supposedly taking inputs from civil society from yeah. you know domestic uh, constituents but at the end of the day because it takes so long to uh, process the inputs process the uh, process the uh, suggestions coming from uh, people uh, it becomes a process that can be highly politicized. It can be Mm -hmm. highly compromised as well, what what is being discussed. So Mm -hmm. in my view, ASEAN should realize these limits and adjust accordingly so that the multilateralism that is supposed to enhance their work, Mm -hmm. uh, what is being done in the UN is supposed Mm -hmm. to help them Know, relate with member states uh, mm-hmm. inside of the region uh, can actually be a strength instead of uh, limitations. Mm-hmm. At this point uh, ASEAN has difficulty in translating back what is being, dis- uh, what is being uh, de- de- determined or discussed and agreed at the U- United Nations level to the ASEAN level. Well the intent uh, initially is to make sure that Uh -uh. if you have problems inside of ASEAN you bring it to the uh, UN level to get support and then Uh once you get the support then what can you do something about it fast Uh so I think um, this uh, should give you a bit more 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 insights yeah of the Uh complexity of multilateralism Uh uh, in practice uh, especially inside of asean asean is mm. is big and every meeting can take a long long day some it, it and it's uh, it varies by styles of uh, people who come to the meeting mm. so in my own experience i cannot say that if you have um, if you work with certain ministry then the style will be always the same, not necessarily. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is that different sectoral bodies have their own styles. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. yeah. uh,
0: they ha- also have different schedules of meeting. Some meet every month, others meet ev- uh, once every 18 months. Mm. So they barely meet, <laughs> not even once a year. So if, if your issue, affect uh, or or if your issue requires uh, decisions from that sector bodies, that means a very long time to expect to finish things up and uh, So issues like Myanmar for instance uh, It has to go through many doors inside of ASEAN yeah. foreign ministers. Yes, and then the for humanitarian uh, assistance you go to the AHA Center but for issues of human rights, you should go to ICHAR for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention that uh, you know the, the involvement of uh, sectoral bodies such as the defense ministry, because the, the issue is now expanding to the issue of arms mm-hmm. and weapons and mm-hmm. security, which is not yeah. necessarily the domain of the foreign ministry. So
2: yeah.
0: it can be made more complex if ASEAN think like how usually ASEAN work Mm. in a peaceful situation Mm -hmm. so this is uh, a time for ASEAN to start thinking that uh, to start acting not just thinking I I would say I I repeat myself ASEAN Mm -hmm. should start acting uh, differently separating uh, you know procedure during peaceful time and procedure during crisis what we are Observing at this point is situation under crisis, so do not take please do not take uh, positions of or procedures that require uh, yeah. similar similar timing as uh, yeah. and, and you know actions as uh, regular business as usual
1: yeah. Please do not take your time, Asya. <laughs> we don't have time. Do not take your time. <laughs> yeah, Budina, I agree so much. Yeah, it's it seems so complex. Uh, especially, uh, sometimes, not even the MoFA, right, Budina. Even like these countries need to get approval from their uh, leader of the countries that make it highly politicized. Yeah. And when, when the leader of the countries tell something it make their image different, make the relationship between the countries differ, it's so complex, it seems like.
0: But at least you can, you, can, you can understand a bit more, right, about uh, differentiating the positions of countries and the different contexts, right?
1: Yeah, Medina. Of course, like every discussion with you, I'm more enlightened. I feel like this is my weekly class. I feel, <laughs> I feel like I need I need to pay for this class, <laughs> and yet I'm getting it free. I feel so grateful, Medina. So thank you deeply.
0: It's it's still uh, it's uh it's free for everybody. I like to share mm-hmm. uh, ideas and experience. Yeah. So stay tuned.
1: Yeah. Stay tuned for. Our next episodes <laughs> because yes. I feel like I can get degree from here. Like I majored in mass communication, but <laughs> also I can have a degree in international relations too because of you. <laughs> now you have an idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Udina. Okay. Uh, so thank you. Maybe uh, we should follow up uh, our topics uh, in the next episode. We sh- we shall. Talk about the major countries, right, Budina? Yes. In position.
0: So, see you and thank you so much for your support.
1: Thank you so much for your support once again. Our podcast is available at YouTube and Spotify at Nyambung with Dina Praptora Harja. Uh, make sure to send us uh, your questions or your thoughts uh, through YouTube comment section. And if you enjoy the episode, don't forget to like share the link to your community and subscribe so you make sure you don't miss our contents because we post every week okay budina okay
0: thank you bye bye
1: bye budina